Welcome. Welcome to Modern Mind. To Modern Mind. Ancient book. Ancient book. Where we together explore one of the most important books in human history. Hello and welcome to another Modern Mind Ancient Book. My name is Roger, and today we will be going over the book of Genesis. We're going to do a survey of this book and talk about interesting things. So the book of Genesis is what many people consider the creation account. Depending on which side of the aisle you're on or what your persuasions are, you may consider this a a book of fanciful, not very interesting, ancient dribble, which I would caution you to say a book of this caliber and of this age should be given much, much more respect. It quite frankly deserves it. Even if you didn't believe this to be the word of God, as others are convinced of, it would still be a precious, or it should still be a precious work of art. It's a book. These are things that we value. I believe that even if you aren't persuaded that this is the word of God, you could still consider this book a work of historic narrative. Let me explain. The human experience is one in which our beliefs and our actions are married. You rightly cannot separate the things a person does from the things that they believe. So, the book of Genesis records the creation according to the Hebrews. Although this creation account probably spans from the Sumerian culture which is much older. They are the first people to have really any meaningful advancement. The Sumerians are very, very interesting and worth studying. They're not mentioned in the Bible, so I'm not going to go too far into it. But the city of Ur, from where Abraham originated, was not a Chaldean city at the time Abraham left there. It was a prominent city in Sumeria, S-U-M-A-R-I-A. So, it's likely that Abram was a Sumerian. And so, this story more than likely originates with him and was transmitted orally via oral traditions or telling stories repeatedly to the next generation all the way to the time that it was written by Moses. The title of this book, Genesis, is Bereshit in Hebrew, and it means in the beginning. The Greek title of this, which would be found in the Septuagint, is called Toledot, and that means the generations. So you have two titles that really accurately portray the content of this book. 
you have the beginning of Israel contained in Genesis. You have a religious belief or a belief in creation on behalf of a divine entity that was radically different from what would have been taught to them in Egypt. This book was written to the Exodus generation. Exodus is the next book we're going to do a survey of. But importantly for this podcast is that we understand that the Exodus generation was the generation who left Egypt after having been there for 430 years after having been brought down there by their father. All 12 tribes, all the people who became what is today modern-day Israel, were brought down to Egypt because of a famine in the land of Canaan. While they were in Egypt for 430 years, they occupied a place called Goshen. And there they practiced animal husbandry, which was something that the Egyptians did not respect or practice widely. And they fell into disrepute. They were oppressed. Moses, which we'll get more into, is a central figure in how the people left the land of Egypt. The book of Genesis is the first of five books. In Greek, it's called the Pentateuch, meaning five books. In the Hebrew way of thinking, it's called the Torah, which means the law. So this book uh, was written by, was, well, was eventually recorded into words on a scroll by Moses and was finished by, you know, probably Joshua or something like that, because it records Moses' death and Moses obviously could not have written that. This story spans from the patriarchal period in terms of oral tradition, so More than likely, Abram knew these stories and taught them to his children, who in turn uh, taught them to their children, who in turn taught them to their children, so on and so forth, in story form. This was a very common way of recording traditions and, and history for people, still is today. We still tell stories. And it was eventually recorded uh, around 1445 B.C., So the story stems from the patriarchal period, which is 2000 BC and before, probably quite a bit before. And then it was recorded, written down around 1445 BC, starting with Moses or his scribes. The Exodus generation was to come out of bondage from Egypt. This book, Bereshit Genesis, Toledot, records the generations of people, starting with the first created man, specially created man, Adam. And thus, that's why you have Toledot generations. You have the generations of the people that God first covenanted with and continued to create new covenants with throughout the time period that we call 
human existence. You want to read this book from the perspective that you and your ancestors have been living in Egypt for 430 years. The Egyptians, they saw you as labor. They saw you as outside of what it is for them. They did not see you as a positive thing. They saw you as, as a negative thing, that you were, you were too big, too strong, and antithetical to their belief systems. They have a worship system with many gods, but the main mediator is Pharaoh. So they had a god-man running this uh, very powerful country. Their worship uh, was that of earth and animals and magic, like a spirit of magic. And so you, as the Hebrew people, you would be coming out of that and you would be learning about a different God. Now, after 430 years, you'd pretty much be Egyptian. And so this would be quite a shock. Um, there's only one God, there's not many. Uh, the land, earth, and sea has no divinity. The stars have no divinity. There's only the Creator who set them in motion. This would be quite shocking and slightly difficult. And you would be reading this from a pretty difficult position. You would be in the wilderness. You would be without all the trappings and uh, benefits that you had in Egypt, which was quite comfortable. The land of Goshen was a beautiful place. But now you're not so comfortable. And so that is the perspective that this needs to be written from, or uh, read from. Also, you would have to read this from the perspective of Moses, who had had a divine experience, who had been introduced to the God of his fathers, the God of Abraham, and who was also coming to know a different way of life indeed through diversity. There are many trials that plagued the Hebrew people and Moses was responsible for uh, navigating these trials, whether it be from Pharaoh or whether it be the land or herding sheep and children and oxen and all the possessions and taking them. It's a lot. So Moses... Uh, is a pretty severe leader in terms of, you know, now it's time to change. This is what we believe, and this is where we're going. And he was obviously a very successful leader because his people still exist today. Israel as a nation is still here, and I would argue that's quite miraculous. So he's teaching the people about how great their God is and about how different their God is from the Egyptian gods. He's teaching his people that Yahweh Elohim is the creator of the universe. And that he chose Abraham out of a depraved world. And gave him a covenant. And set him on his way to a land. And this land was to be the homeland of the Hebrew people who would later be called Israel. 
The purpose of this book is to encourage Israel, to encourage the Hebrew, Hebrew people to become Israel, a nation whose God is Yahweh, a nation whose God has planned for them a place, a land that's to be theirs, a nation whose God has created them in the image of himself. They are the people who are to go out and accomplish the tasks God has created them to do. They are capable, intelligent, and they look like their creator. They are not slaves. They are not to be used by the gods because there are not gods. There's only one God. They are to be taken out from that system by the hand of this one God, by his miraculous intercession and brought into the place which would forever be their homeland, the land of Canaan. Key verses in this book are Genesis 12 and verse 1, Genesis chapter 12 and verse 1. The Lord had said to Abram, leave your country and your people and your father's household and go to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all the people of the earth will be blessed through you. Abraham is the first of the patriarchs. Adam is the first of creation. Isaac is Abram's son. And Jacob is Isaac's son. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. These are the key generations, I guess, in this book. They get the most focus. Adam and his wife Eve are mentioned, but there's not so much focus on them. There's a story about Noah in here as well. Uh, so it goes, Adam, Eve, Cain and Abel, then Seth, then Noah, then Abram, who became Abraham, then Isaac, and then Jacob, who became Israel. And Jacob's sons are the ones who go down to Egypt. The second key verse in this book is Genesis 50 and verse 20. You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. And Genesis 50, or yeah, Genesis chapter 50, verse 24. And Joseph said to his brothers, I am about to die, but God will surely take care of you and bring you up from this land to the land which he promised an oath to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. This book opens with Adam and Eve, and it closes with the death of Jacob and the promise of God, the prophetic word of God, that the people would be brought out of Egypt later. So the way they ended up in Egypt, because 
Abram, who became Abraham, came out of the land of Ur in Samaria. He went to the land of Canaan and he bought some land and there's the whole story there. It's really, really a great read and I implore you, please read this book. It's well worth it. It is um, a majestic work of human creation or divine intervention. So Abraham came to the land of Canaan. Isaac and Jacob stayed in that land. There had been some trips to Egypt and back uh, between them, but they were in the land of Canaan. It wasn't until there was a famine and the people could no longer sustain themselves. Death was knocking on their door. The, the promise that was made to Abraham was threatened. Jacob's life was in danger, along with all of his family. Many people at this time were starving to death. But the sons of Jacob had done one of his sons, the most prominent son of his, Joseph. Well, that, you know, Jacob loved very much. They had done him wrong. They sold him into slavery and he was taken down to Egypt where he suffered greatly. He was taken and he was sold into the house of Potiphar where he served Potiphar well. Joseph was an intelligent and capable man who was a great administrator and leader. Potiphar's wife thought that he was good looking, so she continually tried to get Joseph to commit adultery with her. Joseph refused and it culminated with Joseph actually ended up going to prison because she made a false accusation against Joseph. This would be the second of Joseph's great sufferings. First, his family turned on him. And now the woman who said she cared for him and wanted him to be her lover turned on him and put him in prison. While in prison, he was able to interpret a couple dreams. And the people to whom he gave the interpretation, all of it came true. One was restored, one was put to death. It was some time later that Pharaoh had a dream that he needed explained. And the one who had survived, who had been the beneficiary of God speaking through Joseph and interpreting the dream for him, told Pharaoh of this man because Pharaoh could not get an interpretation of the dream from any of his magicians or sages. And so they brought Joseph, and Joseph successfully told Pharaoh, taught Pharaoh the content of his dream, and it did indeed come true. Because of, in the story, God's working through Joseph, uh, Egypt was able to continually store food for the upcoming famine. It was because of God's working through Joseph that Israel was saved in that because Egypt was able to save Israel, Egypt was also blessed. So you see the uh, the storyline of the book uh, is, is fulfilled in almost every way. 
those who bless Abraham are blessed. So the people, the Egyptians in this case, who were able to save Israel were also blessed. So when all of Israel came down to Egypt, they were there for 430 years. It was this time that the Pharaoh who so adored Joseph had obviously died and new Pharaohs had taken over. These, this new Pharaoh did not have respect for the Jewish people. And so they suffered greatly. At the same time, during this time, they had essentially become Egyptians. And that's pretty much how the book ends. With a promise that they will be taken back to their land. There are several theological considerations in this book. You have creation. You have the entrance and institution of sin and death. So you have the creation covenant that Adam was created to have dominion over the earth uh, and, and essentially to teach the people about the creator. Then sin entered the world and so you have this basically a covenant of sin and death that the people will die because they took prematurely uh, from, from a tree that they should not have. You have Satan's entrance into this, or the deceiver, the adversary. You have a mention of the sons of God, which for some is quite dif difficult to um, define. I think there's a pretty simple definition for this. You have the flood following because the earth had become so violent because of these great men who lived very long lives who were doing very bad things. Following the flood, you have the Tower of Babel, which I actually need to note that in Job, the book of Job was written after the Tower of Babel, not of Babylon. I made a mistake there. The Tower of Babel records um, all the nations coming together, well, all the peoples coming together at this point. They were not nations. And they were separated. Then you have the Abrahamic Covenant, which we've talked about a bit. You have the Promised Land of Canaan. And then you have a Royal Grant versus a Suzerainty Treaty. Meaning you have the Abraham story and then you have the Suzerainty Treaty, which is one where if you do right, it's good. If you do bad, it's not. And that is the Mosaic Covenant. So thank you for your time. Thank you for joining us. Come back soon. Thank you for joining us for Modern Mind, Ancient Book. We hope that the time spent with us was valuable for you. It certainly was for us. Like Isabella said, please come back soon.